Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Christ. Then Peter approached him and asked, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but seventy times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed him 10,000 talents was before him. Since he did not have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell face down before him and said, be patient with me and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. That servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, started choking him, and said, pay what you owe. At this, the fellow servant fell down and began begging him, be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then, after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until everything he could pay, until he could pay everything that was owed. So also my heavenly Father will do to you, unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, for those who are visiting, my name's Paul. I'm the senior pastor here, and it's a joy to worship with you today. We have been making our way through the parables of Jesus this Summer, we have one more week after today that we're going to look at the parables, and then we're going to go into full fall mode. And let me just echo what Drew shared. We have so many things uh, rolling out for this fall, of which or around which I'm so excited. There's so many ways for you to plug in and find your community, lasting gospel community here. So our prayer is that you would do just that. You'd pray about it and find a place to plug in beyond Sundays. So as we look to God's word, would you bow your heads with me as I begin with a brief word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, we pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name, amen. Friends, have you ever struggled with forgiveness? For those who call One Fellowship home, you know we love good stories here. We especially love good stories that flow from within our faith family. Well, just over six weeks ago, a member of our church, Garth Cook, approached me with a story, a story about forgiveness. For approximately 35 years, Garth, or Dr. Garth Cook to be precise, worked for the Boeing Company, first out of Washington and next out of our own Charleston, South Carolina. And with a global workforce exceeding, listen to this, over 150,000 employees, and as the largest exporter in the U.S. by dollar value 
Boeing is a massive corporation. And I, I know we have several uh, Boeing executives and employees here. Well, not surprisingly, not everyone always gets along at the company. With that preamble, Garth shared that throughout his years at Boeing, he'd been invited to do some exciting things. This included, among other things, the launch of leadership pipelines from educational uh, uh, groups or institutions like colleges and universities with Boeing or actually even into Boeing. And while these programs that Garth helped foster forge new territory and have continued to bear much fruit, not everyone appreciated Dr. Cook's leadership style or the initiatives. Paul, sometimes people were difficult. Sometimes they were resentful. And sometimes they were downright crotchety, he told me last week. Mind you, I was no perfect leader myself, he said. Still, he went on to share that throughout his years at Boeing, there were two particular individuals with whom he worked that he had uh, struggles with again and again and again. We typically commit to the minimum of amount of conversation and engagement to get a job done, he said, and then we just avoid one another. So when, when you've worked at a company for 35 years and you've achieved some great things and you've worked with thousands and thousands of people and your last day arrives, what do you do? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus and you listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, you go and make amends with those two individuals with whom you've had a beef for years. If you're a Christian and you've been filling your life every day with the word of God, that last day of work, you listen to the Lord's leading and go and extend his forgiveness and his grace. Paul, I, I knew the Lord was calling me to do it. I knew it, Gar said. So my very last day of work, mind you, I'd been working remotely the last couple of years, but my very last day of work, I got in my vehicle and headed to the Charleston Boeing plant. And uh, I made amends with those uh, against whom I'd been harboring resentment. I did it, and guess what? It was incredible. It's a beautiful story, right? Garth's last day, not celebrating, but making amends against whom he had held resentment for years. But there's a little more here, friends, I'd like to share. After hearing the story, I asked Garth, remind me how many people work at this Charleston plant? To which he replied, about 8,000. And letting that number sink in, I then imagined Garth walking across the floor of our giant Boeing plant through all of those people on a mission from God. <laughs> and I asked him, so how did the two individuals respond? And without hesitation, he said, Paul, I could see their faces melt. It was so good. I knew the Lord was calling me to do it. I could see their faces melt. Forgiveness. Have, have you ever struggled with forgiveness before? Be it in the home, the workplace, a school setting, or somewhere else. As we continue our series on the parables of Jesus today, today's parable is all about forgiveness. In a world that cancels each other, gaslights each other, 
and openly mocks each other, how are we as Christians to respond when someone's done us wrong? What should our attitude be? What should our motivation be? What's the way of Jesus? These are hard questions, good questions that we're going to aim to tackle through our sermon today. And with that introduction, the big idea we'll see and unpack from Matthew 18 this morning is this. The call of Jesus to forgive is not to minimize sin. Rather, it is to maximize his mercy and grace. The call to Jesus or a call of Jesus to forgive is not to minimize sin, but rather to maximize his forgiveness or mercy and grace, excuse me. So let's dive into God's word together. Point one, friends, don't minimize sin. Then Peter approached him and asked, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times. I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied. But 70 times seven, for this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed 10,000 talents was brought before him. Since he did not have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, and his kids, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell face down before him, Jesus, and said, be patient with me, and I will pay you everything. First, a parable. What's a parable? Well, a parable is an earthly story with heavenly meaning. So what is Jesus teaching through this parable? Well, right out of the gate, using hyperbolic language, Jesus is calling us to uncork our hearts, to expand our hearts. In other words, he's basically saying, don't you ever try to dare, uh, dare, ever dare try to limit God's love. Jesus, how, how many times do I need to offer forgiveness? Seven? And Jesus says, no, Peter, 70 times seven. Now, if you're like me, I can't help but imagine Peter like closing his eyes and doing the math, right? Like what, seven seven, seven times 70, what is that number, friends? 490. Man, that's a lot, Jesus. I'm sure Peter was thinking because in that day in ancient Israel, what was the requirement within the Israelite community in terms of forgiveness? How often were they called to forgive? Three times only three times, and then they were out. Jesus and Peter were having this exchange, and Peter actually was, through his very question, acting arrogantly, peacocking, trying to impress Jesus. Jesus, what if I do seven? Is that good? Unfortunately, Peter's approach had failed because to count sin and to count forgiveness misses the point. No, throw away the ledger, Jesus basically says, throw away the ledger by which you and I count sin or track forgiveness. Why? Because God's love and forgiveness are bigger than that. And to illustrate this point, Jesus goes on to tell this story. A king decided it was time to settle accounts. One of the servants he called before him owed him an enormous amount of money. And this man did not have the funds to repay the debt. Now here, listen, We don't know much about this servant. We don't know who he was or how he had, uh, uh, you know, accumulated such a large debt. That's apparently not important, those things. 
What's important to Jesus is the scale of the debt the man had to pay, 10,000 talents. And so what's a talent? Well, in that day, a talent was the highest monetary uh, unit of currency. And listen to this, it totaled 20 years of salary. One talent, 20 years of work. The servant, we're told, owed 10,000 talents. That's insane, right? 20 years times 10,000. The number was meant to stun Peter and his friends, the disciples. Bridging this into our context, let's, let's just say, friends, you earn 30 grand a year. 30 grand a year. You might earn more, you might earn less. We're gonna use that as a baseline. 30 grand a year over 20 years equals how much money? 600, Mark wins. 600,000. Now what's 600,000 times 10,000? 6 billion Dollars, six billion dollars on the low end. That's the debt Jesus says the man owed the king. The point Jesus is making is that there's no possible way for this man to repay this debt. The gap's too large. This man's in trouble. And within the context of our own lives and the disciples' lives, the point Jesus is making is there's no, no way for any of us to repay the debt we owe God. The gap is too large. We're in trouble. Peter, you are like this man. Butch, Paul, you're just like this person, Jesus is saying. In this blunt honesty that we've seen throughout the summer from Jesus in the parables follows the testimony of the whole biblical witness. Romans 3.10, as it's written, there's no one righteous, not even one. Isaiah 64, verse six, all of us have become like one who's unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Thus the indebted servant in the story, Peter, uh, excuse me, like this indebted servant, uh, Peter and all of us, we're in the hole. Friends, we're in the hole. We're in the gap. That means we're in trouble. So what are we left to do? Well, what did the man do? He put his face in the dirt and he begged for mercy. Be patient with me. He fell face down. Be patient with me, king, and I will repay you everything. You see, this man knew he was in trouble. The question uh, Jesus is asking Peter and you and me is, uh, do we know our own need for forgiveness? As we live our lives in a covenant community and beyond with our neighbors and in this world, do we know our own need, our desperate need for forgiveness? Not just once, but over and over and over again. And has that need humbled us and changed how we love others? The servant we read humbled himself, dropped to his knees, face in the dirt and begged for mercy. And via this parable, that's precisely how Jesus wants us to approach this topic, forgiveness. It first starts looking by looking inward at our own need for help. Allow me to share another story. About 12 years ago, a group of pastors with whom I'm friends were all invited to a leadership conference. 
In the very first session, the guest speaker stood up and asked all the pastors to pull out their leadership manuals. Pull out your leadership manuals, friends. The room grew quiet. Pastors started whispering, what's he talking about? Do you have a leadership manual? No. Did we get... Did we get an announcement about a leadership? No. Finally, the, the guest speaker chuckled. He says, guys, I'm, I'm talking about your Bibles. <laughs> Pull out your Bibles. Now listen, upon hearing this, one of my friends, Thomas, stood up, visibly upset, held up his Bible, and he said, sir, let me share something. This book is not a leadership manual or a book about good leaders. It's a story of a merciful and faithful God who rescues sinners and losers just like you and me over and over and over again by his grace. Silence fell amongst the guests, amongst the pastors. And then Thomas sat down. One fellowship, the initial shock in our parable is the massive amount of debt that needs to be repaid. We can't miss it. We dare not miss it. Jesus's point is we dare never minimize sin, starting with our own sin, the enormity of our sinful lives, because every single person in this room and joining us online needs what? Needs God's grace, his forgiveness and grace. So point one, don't minimize sin, starting with ourselves. And point two, maximize Jesus's mercy and grace. At this, the servant fell face down before him and said, be patient with me. I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him and forgave him the loan. Do you see it? Imagine the scene. Even more shocking than the size of the debt that the man had incurred is the forgiveness in the love in the grace that was extended by the king to the man. 10,000 talents forgiven, six million, excuse me, six billion dollars removed, the debt removed forever. No jail time, no lashings, no uh, sale into slavery like in the old days we read about here. No, and listen, no requirement to pay the debt back. Total, pure, and unexpected grace. Just imagine being in the skin of this man. So why, we're meant to ask, did the king do this? Well, our passage all hinges on one word. It's this word, compassion. Compassion. We've studied this here before. But this word in the original language, in the Greek, it means to care for someone so deeply that you feel it in your gut. Have you ever had compassion to that level before, love to that level where you feel it deep in your gut. Literally, it means to care for someone so much, you feel it in your bowels. Sorry to be so graphic, but that's literally what Jesus is saying here. It's a full body kind of love. In fact, it's the same word that is used in Luke 15 when the father sees his prodigal son coming home. And he arose and came to his father But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. That's how much the father loved his son. And that's how much the king felt for his indebted servant. Let all his debt, 
His $6 billion flood of debt be forgiven. Why? Because I love him. I have compassion for him right here, right now. That changes everything. And bringing this into our lives, here's the the good news. God loves you and he loves me the same exact way. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, with all that mountain of debt, Christ died for us. Don't miss it, friends. It's the very reason Jesus came and gave his life for you and for me. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While you were still sinners, the mountain of debt, Christ died for us. Reflecting on this parable, what Jesus is trying to say is Eric, Scott, Summer, God loves you. Friend, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you've done in your life, know this today, God loves you. That is the meta thread through all of the meta narrative of scripture. You are loved. How do we know? We know because of Jesus. Moreover, pulling back and looking at this parable as a whole, we're meant to see that the enormity of our sin is and forever will be outmatched by the enormity of God's grace. Let that sink in, friends. The enormity of your sin is and forever will be outmatched by the enormity of God's grace. Do you know and believe that today? God loves you and the debt Jesus paid by his very blood is total, absolute, and everlasting. If you're the literal type, and I have one in the back of the room with a broken foot named Blaze, God's love is worth more than $6 billion. You see, money and wealth and power will all fade away, but the love and forgiveness of Jesus will never fade away. And that's good news. Amen? And now without understanding, we're not quite done. At least Jesus is not quite done in our parable. No, by way of the rest of his parable, it's clear he wants all of us to turn his love and forgiveness outward. He wants us to take that grace we've received and push it outward. And and he teaches this through a shocking follow-up story to his original story, wherein he paints a very, very negative picture or view of the man who was initially forgiven. Instead of acting in love and grace, what do we read about this man? How does he end up acting? We read that he becomes callous, even violent, choking his own servant for a small, small amount of money compared to what he was forgiven. A small amount of money this man owed him. To this, Jesus basically says, don't you ever dare act like that to a fellow brother or sister. Don't you dare withhold my mercy and my grace lest you forsake the very forgiveness you received and want to face God's wrath. That's my paraphrase, but scripture in the heat Jesus throws out is oh so real. Don't you ever dare treat people like that. In the eyes of Jesus, forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people. When we truly understand grace and the impact of it on our 
on our lives, in our lives, this unmerited favor, this forgiveness, this everlasting love, we can't help but share it. Thus, point two, we're called to maximize Jesus' mercy and grace. Now, as we conclude, uh, allow me to share the obvious. Uh, This passage is not prescriptive in telling us exactly how forgiveness plays out. It's more about the attitude of the heart. So it's more descriptive than prescriptive. However, let me state the obvious. Forgiveness is hard. It's really, really hard. And it's super costly. The king had to take on the $6 billion debt. Jesus had to give up his own life for you and for me. Thus, it's hard to receive forgiveness when we've really messed up and we really own it. And it's also really hard to extend it when others have messed up as well, especially when they've really, really hurt us. Still, when forgiveness is received and applied with humility and wisdom, here's the deal. It's beautiful. It's transformational. First for the one offering forgiveness. And speaking of application, let me just say one more thing here. Please know that while forgiveness is free, it's not cheap. And again, we're not to minimize sin at all. I mean that. Forgiveness is not meant to be extended flippantly. This can not only be foolish, it can be dangerous. Especially if you've endured some harsh behavior towards you. We didn't have time to unpack the verses preceding today's parable. But if you want to dive deeper into forgiveness and actually the three-step process God calls believers to take, to uh, call to account, to confront, and to hopefully win a brother or sister back, read the preceding verses to our passage today. Matthew 18, verses 15 through 20. Moreover, read this passage, Luke 17, verses 2 and 3. That will help. Moreover, I commend an article written by our good friend, the right reverend doctor, quite the title, Justin Holcomb. It's titled, Forgiveness Has Been Horribly Misunderstood. Just Google that and read that and pray through that. Forgiveness has been horribly misunderstood. So friends, one more story, one last story. This comes from an author, uh, Richard Hoffler. A little boy visiting his grandparents was given his first slingshot. He practiced in the woods, but he could never hit his target. As he came back to grandma's backyard, he spied her pet duck. And on an impulse, he took aim and let it fly and the stone hit and the duck fell dead. The boy panicked. Desperately, he hid the dead duck in the woodpile only to look up and see his sister watching him. Sally had seen it all, but she said nothing. After lunch that day, Grandma said, Sally, let's wash the dishes. But Sally said, Johnny told me he wanted to help in the kitchen today. (laughs) Didn't you, Johnny? And she whispered to him, remember the duck. So Johnny did the dishes. Later, Grandpa asked if the kids wanted to go fishing. Grandma said, I'm sorry, I need uh, Sally's help to make uh, help for, to, to prepare dinner, supper. And Sally smiled and, and said, that's all taken care of. Johnny wants to do it. And again, she whispered to him, remember the duck. 
And so uh, Johnny stayed back while Sally went fishing. After several days of Johnny doing both his chores and Sally's chores, finally he couldn't stand it anymore. He confessed. He confessed to Grandma that he'd killed her duck. I know, Johnny, she replied, giving him a hug. I was standing at the window and I saw the whole thing. Because I love you, I forgave you. I wondered how long you would let Sally make a slave of you. So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Friends, let's live into the freedom and forgiveness that's offered to each and every one of us through Jesus. The call of Jesus is to forgive, excuse me, the call of Jesus to forgive is not to minimize sin. Rather, it is to maximize his mercy and grace. Please join me as I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you do not remember the duck. That through Jesus, we're forgiven and set free. Saturate us by this grace this morning. Not only fill us, but send us, convict us where we need conviction. Give us wisdom, humility, and love as we seek to live out forgiveness both within the covenantal community, this church, and beyond. For our good and your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.